Warning, the following podcast contains mouth-watering, delicious descriptions of food. Consuming while on an empty stomach is not recommended. Listeners' discussion advice. I am Millie. I use she, her, they, them. I've been part of SPAC for four years, and I love Blastoise, even though it is five or three, but I don't judge on height. Thanks for listening to SPAC Snack. Enjoy the episode. Yeah, I spend like an hour or two with my plants every day. What? <laughs> I mean, I say that like I don't spend multiple hours playing Animal Crossing every day, but oh my god. <laughs> I know, this is like my real life Animal Crossing. Season 2 of Spack Snack, the Seattle Progressive Asian American Christian podcast, where we talk about what we're eating and what's eating us. I'm Christina, and I go by she, her pronouns. With us today is... I'm Thomas, and I go by he, him pronouns. My name is Jenny, and I go by she, her pronouns. My name is I, I go by she, her pronouns. Uh, I'm Pauline, and I am not specifying pronouns. You can use whatever you want. So our theme for today's episode is frozen foods and hot, hot rage because we wanted to rant about the absolute dumpster fire that we're currently living through. And also we wanted to pay homage to all the frozen food that is getting us through this time. Um, I don't know about the rest of you, but I have been doing a lot of microwaving and popping frozen meals into ovens because I haven't had a lot of energy to cook. Um, And when I do cook, it's like, I make way too much food and then just like freeze it and eat the same thing for weeks. So how are you all doing on the frozen food and the hot, hot rage part? Uh, I've been eating a lot of frozen corn dogs. I put them in the air fryer and a little mustard, a little ketchup. I usually eat about two. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Today I had some hot wings that were you know, I froze some chicken, so block those into the air fryer. That's good. Yo, snaps Where to that air fryer. Just a grocery store. I think these are from Safeway. They're like the really cheap bar S corn dogs. They come in like packs of 16. Nice. <laughs> I have six left, in case you were wondering. Wait, can you put the whole corn dog with like the stick and everything in the air fryer and it's fine? Yeah. I mean, I usually put them in a, what do you call those, toaster oven, and Mm. that holds up fine, too. Mm. Like 15 minutes in the toaster oven or 10 minutes in the air fryer. Yo, I did not know that you could put a wood stick in the air fryer, but now I know. Now you know. Gotta have to, I gotta do that. I feel like there are going to be many corn dogs in our near future. (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah you're just my inspiration that's jenny's entire house you open the fridge and it's just all corn dogs and then on every conceivable side there are plants <laughs> <laughs> plants and corn dogs i do you have anything you want to rant about oh what do i not want to rant about <laughs> hey it is well. time go off um i guess my first rant is like for context for non-seattle folks um there are a few 
Facebook groups that have formed like since COVID and they're just run so poorly. And it's, yeah, it's exhausting to watch to see how people like, I don't know, just everything's a hot mess. And it makes me appreciate all the pack mods like a thousand percent more. That support the ID group, they like, how many mods are actually involved in that group? They like put six mods in place, like new mods. And then I don't remember like the exact number, but I think it was like somewhere around six. And originally they had three. For 20,000 people. And then they shut it down within three. a day of making new people mods. Oh my gosh. Yep. For 20, I think for people. our non-Seattle listeners, it's probably important to at least point out that anybody who had any connection to, or desire to support the International District during this pandemic um, be a Black Lives Matter protesting um, season, a lot of that information came from supporting the ID of ways to help or volunteer or things like that. And it just kind of spirals when you have 20,000 people uh, trying to self-moderate and regulate while also tone policing and uh, really trying to one-up each other and things like that. Yeah, I mean, for this group started to basically support local businesses. I don't know if we've mentioned them on the podcast yet, but um, yeah, 20,000 members, they started up with COVID to basically support each other through all the anti-Asian racism that was happening. Um, lots of businesses, obviously their hours changed or like their method of delivery or pickup or whatever changed. So there's also a way to highlight like Asian and POC owned businesses um, in Seattle and in Chinatown and which the Chinatown and International District are interchangeable. I don't know. If, I don't know if that's actually true, but I use them interchangeably. <laughs> Three mods for a 20,000 plus group is just it, like I didn't I actually didn't realize that their team was so small and obviously what ended up happening was that there was a ton of infighting I mean you had a, people who were like I just came here for food recommendations I don't know why you guys are talking about Black Lives Matter <laughs> um so you had like unchecked like racism unchecked like transphobia and homophobia but yeah anyway that's all I want to say thanks for the recap it it's been a hot mess in that group and it stood for all the right things and then it got too big to control. Yeah, I mean, the things that it, like the projects that were created and the way that the community came together, like culminating and actually physically supporting businesses, you know, having a mural party that one of our SPAC members um, painted in and one of our SPAC members like photographed, Aya, um, and Kelly was the painter. Um, it's just, it was really cool. Like, it was really cool to know that there are other people in Seattle who also felt the same way about wanting to like protect this neighborhood that is you know in danger of gentrification and um is getting vandalized and all this stuff um JP's kids and Karen were there yeah I think like our painting for me I feel like the group just like lacked a lot of um the group lacked a lot of direction sadly like it was very hard to tell exactly what the parameters were um and it shifted a lot as well um this is something that mickey and i was talking about earlier um separate from this podcast and i feel like if it 
it's also hard to tell exactly what certain interventions um, were aimed towards because some <clears throat> mentioned that like business owners were incredibly anti-black and transphobic and that definitely is a huge problem and that call out is so necessary but if we're really hoping to be communicating with these business owners and like really enact like change and help them understand like why their transphobia and their anti-blackness is so problematic and like what are the ways going forward i feel like a lot of the nuance about um generational differences and also like language and culture that element wasn't considered and so there were a lot of people who said very valid things but it wasn't like actually well communicated to the people who really needed to hear it so it just kind of became a bit of a pile up in the comments and it didn't feel like it, anything was getting anywhere and it was just causing a lot of friction in the group so every time we came across the group it was like Ugh, like what's happening now what terrible thing is happening in the comment zone yeah and i i really appreciate the people who were like who spent a lot of time and energy like collecting those people because i think definitely especially with um how like covid and anti-asian racism and the black lives matter um movement not that it just started it started ages ago but just how all of those things have like come into the same like Venn diagram. I think it's been really important to call out like anti-blackness and homophobia and transphobia within the APIDA community. But that process is really fraught <laughs> and you do need a lot of direction. I think a most people in the group like didn't actually know what the group was for in the end because it just seemed to be going in so many different directions. It just really shows like what a strong modding team will have on the community. And like, I mean, honestly, if we can also separately rant about the fucking like Asian American Christian collaborative, like that was a huge fucking dumpster fire that absolutely failed. And is honestly, it's like not even a group anymore. It's literally just a page on Facebook because they didn't have the mods and they the group grew way too big. And I just like burped really weirdly. I'm sorry if that came across. The <laughs> I think that was me. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, watch us eat a bunch of food and then make no food noises for an hour. <laughs> um, anyway, but like the, the AACC group or whatever, like it's fucking terrible. Like they were actively really homophobic and transphobic and like Dude. their mod team was just a fucking disaster. And now they're not even a group anymore, which honestly... I made that discovery like recently and I was just like, what even happened here? But like, I'm sure I, I'm sure I get the gist of it. Like they just were like, fuck, like we don't know what to do. And just like ax the whole group. But they're still yeah, organizing but, though, right? Yeah. Now I was going yeah. to say like to piggyback off of Pauline, the, so in the Asian for black lives, Facebook group for Seattle example there of like, not great moderating or like lack of moderating people were like dirty deleting their posts or comments mm -hmm. and it was really exhausting to have to repeat like our comments and bring up points about like why some of the things that people were posting were really harmful yeah gotta give it up for good yeah. muds i also feel like an, a good component of having a good facebook group is like besides intention, it's also like if people actually know each other or like know mm. like the creator of the group. And I feel like 
what was that group called that blew up and had to turn off? The Asian American Christian Collaborative. Yeah, that one. Why are these <laughs> names all so long? Um, I know. I feel like they just invited every one of their friends and wanted to make it so big so fast, and nobody knew each other. You know, like, it was just a dumpster fire waiting to happen. I think that's why PAC works so well and SPAC works so well. Because we all have, like, legitimate, like, connections, and we've had conferences. There's just so many good connecting points in our groups. Yeah, and, like, you can you can come into PAC or into SPAC and not know anybody, but because there is, like, an emphasis on relationship building and taking care, like, taking good care to cultivate those relationships, I feel like it promotes such a healthy environment overall for anybody who wants to be part of that community. I'm part of some plant groups and there is there are some good plant people y'all like it's legit people are out here supporting each other and like it's still good people and good intentions and like good stuff even when it there some people are just there to sell things you know if you can come around plants like we should be able like everyone should be able to do this i don't know anyway plant people are awesome <laughs> i feel like I kind of feel the same way for the Animal Crossing. I was like, if Christina's not going to mention the Animal Crossing group, then I am. I did not know. Dude, all we do all day is spend time on this group, okay? Like, basically. Wait, so you're either playing Animal Crossing or talking about Animal Crossing or yes. thinking about either of the two? Yes. <laughs> wow. Yes. Absolutely. Sorry, Christina, explain. No, so there's this Animal Crossing no selling trading group because there's this like huge ecosystem, like a huge financial ecosystem of Animal Crossing outside of the game that exists now. And people out there will fleece you. Like we literally just saw a post earlier about this guy who got 5 million bells stolen. So bells are the currency in Animal Crossing. Somebody literally conned this person out of five million bells because this person like promised that they could give this one villager that the other person wanted. And I'm just like, my mind is blown every single time I see some of these other posts where like, you have to give me like all of these like 99K bells, like in order for you to come visit like this one character on this one island to get one DIY recipe. It's like so ridiculous. So really glad that I think it was Symphony who introduced this Facebook group um, that's like no selling, just trading um, on Animal Crossing. And everybody has been so nice. And it's been really great connecting with these people and everyone just wants to help each other out. I haven't seen like super terrible stuff yet. And like there is still like the element where, so Pauline and I connected with this one player and because this person really loves Boba like I do. I literally was like sitting at Christina's house just <laughs> watching her and Christina in matching Boba outfits just run in like in circles just being like we love Boba! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and turns out like I had the same Boba outfit and so we're like geeking out over that and then I was like oh you can add me as a friend and okay to be honest I was like not necessarily specifying what type of friends. So I, I was in my mind thinking more like a switch friend so that they could be on my island. But they added me as a Facebook friend. And I was like, what if this person is like a huge Trump supporter? <laughs> and then I like checked out their Facebook profile and they were like, Black Lives Matter this and fuck all the people who aren't wearing masks. And I was like, yes. 
continued. So I was like, you, I can roll with you. Yeah, I was like, you love Boba, you hate all the right people, this is great. I totally thought your fear was going to be about, like, a, a multi-level marketing pyramid scheme <laughs> for Animal Crossing and nothing to do with, like, politics. <laughs> No, no. <laughs> Sadly, real world politics like still it's still a thing. But um, yeah, so it's really cool, and like we've connected with each other like over Instagram now because they want to follow my Boba account, and like we're like actual friends. Do you remember when the internet gave you actual friends? What the heck? AKA everyone in back. <laughs> yeah. Basically, yeah, this, this episode is quickly turning into discussion of Facebook groups, but it's so interesting because <laughs> I've always hated Facebook and I never wanted to use it. And then I found PAC and then I was like, well, now I have to like re-download the app. It's, but it's like, yeah, the Animal Crossing group is so fun because, you know, obviously some people have been playing it since the game came out. So like after a while, you just end up building up enough resources that you're like, literally, I have nothing to do with all this. And so when other people are like just starting the game and they're like, I don't even know what this is. Like you can just travel to their island and then like give them a bunch of stuff. Like you can help people pay off things. You can just like give them items. You can just, it's such a way to like be generous and like show, show love and care. Even if it's like to someone you'll never meet in real life and people like really appreciate it. So I think animal crossing has become so popular over quarantine. Um, like before this call, I was talking about with my therapist, like playing with like playing Animal Crossing with friends. And it's one of the few activities in quarantine that doesn't feel like a substitute event for like hanging out with your friends in real person. Because with video games, everyone's usually everyone's just like at home anyway. So it's not like, oh, this is what we have to do because we can't hang out. It's like, well, like even if there wasn't a pandemic going on. Uh, we still would have done this anyway. We still would have like connected with each other from each of our homes. Um, so it actually feels really cool because there's like a slight mental fatigue that comes with like, oh, oh, we're doing this now, like instead of meeting up in person just because of quarantine. Animal Crossing is like you travel to your own tropical island where you don't have to worry about like real life things. So it's extremely appealing. <laughs> it's really interesting just how our Facebook group communities, how SPAC and PAC communities, all of these things that kind of happen virtually. Like long time ago, the church itself was like really railing against like televangelism and railing against virtual church and how it was, I, I don't know if you've heard this in, in your churches, uh, church experiences, but it's been like, yeah, there's something to be said about online relationships, but there's something even better about congregating in person so you can see your friends. And so there was always like this dichotomy between like incarnate real relationships versus virtual. But I feel like the pandemic has kind of shown that maybe that's still true, I don't know, but there's still something to be said about a virtual relationship since that's how so much of our like human connection has happened. And I think that, um, that we just need to like re recognize that and not, you know, place it as such a, a demonized um, and devalued relationship, this this mm -hmm. virtual one. For yeah, sure. So I good. totally but, agree. I also, it, it made me like think also about like Jesus, this time on earth as the incarnate and now Jesus and us is all virtual. 
and neither is better than the other. What? <laughs> now, just do theology. I'm totally questioning my relationship with virtual Jesus right now. <laughs> Does anyone have an authentic virtual relationship with Jesus? I don't know. Wow. I'm, I'm spiraling. <laughs> but what else could it be? Jesus? It's, it's, yeah, Jesus is in my DMs all the time. <laughs> <laughs> is that too much? I'm not like, DMs doesn't have to be like bad things. You don't have to say Jesus slid into my DMs or anything. <laughs> you didn't say it like that, so it's fine. I said it like that. <laughs> okay. Okay, my rant. What is my rant? My rant is I have been shown consistently throughout the past few months that there is so much work that people have not done in themselves. And I really hate to put it in these terms because I don't want to imply that there is some point, like there is some end point to like, being, I don't know, neoliberal or whatever, but like there is no, you cannot like arrive essentially in anti-racism work or in like work around like gender or sexuality. Like you can't get to a place where you're like, oh, you wait, like you've, we, here's your plaque, like displayed on your wall and like now you're anti-racist like forever. Um. But it's just, it, it like, it comes and goes because like, I feel like people regularly demonstrate that they haven't taken the time to think about these things. They haven't taken the time to think about these things and how it affects their communities. They haven't taken the time to really sit and wrestle with the work in themselves. And like, one of the ways that I feel like I've been really affected is that people haven't really worked out like their transphobia and like, it's really, it's hurt me in a lot of ways, like due to some close friends saying things or just like people in community saying things and just not really being careful with like their language. And, you know, sometimes it's just a set of like microaggressions that you don't necessarily want to drag someone hell for. Like, it just makes me think about how, how these systems have been propped up like in our communities, like even if someone is not misgendering you to your face, but they're misgendering somebody else, it totally reinforces this reality where it's like cool and fine to just do that. And like, even if, and like, I feel like I've done this a lot, like even if you're calling out people to their face, like and forcing them to apologize or just like, for me, like when people misgender other people, like honestly, one of the ways that I've gotten someone to stop it, I was like, if you misgender that person again, you have to send me $5 and like this person, just like actually stop doing it after like weeks of like casually misgendering this person like every so often. And I don't know if it was like embarrassment or shame or whatever on their part, but like, I really feel like it forced them to consider that their words and actions like have actual consequences. And like, it's not about like me having the $5, whatever, like I don't need these $5, but it's like, you are actually doing something in real life that has like actual real harm. Um, so yeah, I feel like, I don't know if I want to call out like the specific things that I'm mad at, but like one of the things that I think I'm really struggling to express, I almost said express correctly, which I think is like another thing about how we've been conditioned to express our anger in like very, like a very narrow set of ways. Like this is an appropriate, like an appropriate display of anger and you know, well, fuck that. Cause like, 
you should just if you're just angry like i think you should just say it like obviously try not to like harm people but like um yeah i've been really mad at like the church that i've been attending for almost like 10 years which i honestly like i don't know if i can go back to because it's really this is like the last we're recording this in july like this past june i was like this is the last pride because like for me it's been five years since the SCOTUS decision and it's been five years of trying to fight for like queer representation and inclusivity in this church. And I understand that it's obviously a bigger conversation with like denomination, but I was talking about it with my therapist and I was like, I'm never going to have to fucking explain to anybody like why I attend a church that's like wonderful. Like exhausting and I never have to do that work again. And it's great. And like, it's such a relief. It's so it has been so frustrating to see like the leadership at my at that church that like I really admire and respect talking about like Black Lives Matter and even saying like queer Black Lives Matter and like trans Black Lives Matter and like all this stuff but like not even have full inclusivity like within their own church a church that represents a community of like I don't know like a thousand different people like not members but just you know, their reach is really huge. And the lead pastor of that church, who I really admire, she's she's like fully affirming. It was really powerful to see like a Korean American female pastor as the head pastor over this past year. But, you know, she, it's, she can't just like do, I mean, she just can't like do what she wants because I think that's too much power. And I feel like there's like another conversation about like that Menlo church or whatever in here. But she wrote this incredible article in, um like a local newspaper and I was like I respect this woman so much and yet like it kills me inside that like this is the community that we have like a community that always wants to speak up about social justice issues that you know pushes its members to think critically about like their own intersections and their own privileges and things like that but yet can't even afford this like one to me which is now like a basic quality of life sorry the words i'm using are like not making sense but like they can't even provide this one aspect of like a good quality of life for a queer member at their church which is like inclusivity Mm. so i know umc is not like like not a fully affirming denomination but just getting to see that service that celebrated it's like queer brethren is that word weird is that word too but like male is brethren like too male whatever I don't know. The getting to see yeah. the UMC, <laughs> it is. I'm like saying that word and I'm like, I don't know what that means. But getting to see the UMC service that celebrated, you know, its queer siblings was just really powerful and great. And especially like in a space like PAC, which is absolutely like queer affirming and it's really shown like what that can do. And yeah, I'm just like, I just want to stop being like disappointed by people and disappointed by institutions. And obviously that's going to continue, but being able to, I think, choose like where in my life I can be affected by that is really important to me right now. I feel like I just talked for a really long time. So that is one of many rage fires inside of myself. That was so good though. And so like necessary. I was thinking about, um, when you were sharing, I was thinking about what my therapist has said to me about how, like, depression is rage turned inwards or anger turned inwards. Mm-hmm. And, like, I think actually it's a beautiful thing, like, when we can 
so powerfully and eloquently expressed like what we're angry about and why we're angry like there is a place for like good and holy rage and it's healthy for us to express it and when we can't and when we turn that then towards ourselves it's damaging like it could potentially take lives you know and i think we our society doesn't necessarily always have the best framework to understand what anger is and certainly i think that's a huge deficiency in the church like capital c like mainline church especially we don't always talk about anger in very like healthy ways so i really appreciate and see your rage pauline both of y'all are amazing SPAC Snack is brought to you by Humility. Humility is knowing when to say I don't know or not saying anything at all when we haven't properly researched something that we've come across on the internet. Humility is also being able to say that we were wrong about something and that we've changed our minds about what we used to believe. Humility. Normalize it. Thomas, do you want to go? I think a lot of my, I mean, there are, yes, like, like in this very moment, um, I'm more disappointed in some partnerships that I've invested in the last couple of years and like personal, interpersonal disappointment and politicking and backstabbing and leveraging and overall pettiness. It's just, I don't know. I think, I think what Jenny was saying earlier about for instance, um, why so many online groups can go south so quickly is that you're literally kind of like venting to a void and like all of you channeling all of your frustration and rage and projecting it onto another person whom you don't know, but they get the brunt of it. Um, I think a lot of that for me also holds true for like literal people that I'm in relationship with but either it is unintentional reciprocated harm or it is absolutely malicious, but they play it off in such a way that it's, um, you know, cordial or may maybe this is truly the Seattle freeze. And it is, uh, it is very, I don't know, disappointing is really the only word I can, I can think of. So I'm raging at some interpersonal relationships in my life right now that I wish um, could have turned out differently. And I'd rather, I'd rather keep it vague, but also want to, so I don't, you know, for privacy reasons and all that, but I would, I, I still want to name that frustration and that rage that, um, it's just so disappointing. But on a positive note. <laughs> you have one. I do have a positive note. I think amidst all of that, um, so much of my own frustration is, and similar to what Christina just shared about this idea that so much of our um, pain is from an external source then becomes directed inwardly. I mm. think for so long, like literally for most of my Seattle um, experience, I've internalized that external pain and made myself feel smaller than I am. And I literally had this moment of like, oh my gosh, why do I feel small? And I like shouted, I shouted to the world, <laughs> like, I'm not a small person, I'm big. And we watched um, 
I think we, I don't know if it was in a, in a if it was, documentary. Yeah, it was a documentary with um, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez when she was on her way um, to become an elected official. But she was, it was the night before she was preparing for uh, her first debate with Joe Crowley, the incumbent. And her and her significant other were just prepping. And she did this thing where she's like, I'm not small. I need a whoosh. And she outstretched her hands into the room and was like, I need to take up space. Whoosh. This is me taking up space. <laughs> I am large. I am powerful. And I have a voice. And here are all the reasons why they're, they're going to, um, you know, attack me and put me down. And I, and I, I witnessed that. And I had this for myself, like, wow. I am big and I am powerful and I don't need all these other external uh, sources of my external places in my life who tell me otherwise and project their own fears onto myself that I've internalized. It's been, it's been a very powerful week for me, but lamenting that it took so long for me to feel like I have a voice. That's awesome, Thomas. Thanks. Are there any foods that are getting you this time? You know, white chocolate. Oh my god, so good! Any form oh. of white chocolate, oh my god. Okay. cookies and cream, Oreo, white chocolate. Oh my god, I can't eat white chocolate. I mean, that's the, the type of chocolate. That's not chocolate. chocolate. Not a chocolate. It's, it's not chocolate. Type. There's no. <laughs> Why, why am I being shamed for answering a question so honestly? <laughs> okay, you're not you know being what? Shamed. I love and appreciate you're that not being about shamed. you. We love and appreciate you. Thomas has been eating the cookies and yeah. Hershey's, which, <gasps> like, I totally respect him for that because it's a whole different category than white chocolate. Okay, I used to eat okay. like one of those every day in high school, and I am yeah. lactose intolerant, so you can imagine how that went. But um, they, those are so good. Wow, I really want one right now. <laughs> I agree. Those are good. Yeah, I know. Okay. Jenny, do you want to share what you are ranting about? Yes. Um, frozen food. You know, usually it's like, yeah, usually it's just like dumplings, lumpia, dino nuggets. Sweet potato fries. Sweet potato fries. A lot of Wait, that. Wait, what are dino nuggets? What? what? Everyone, unmute yourself and scream. <laughs> yeah. Dino nuggets? Dino? Dino nuggets? Dino. Dino? Oh my god. They are chicken nuggets shaped like dinosaurs and they are delightful. Where do I acquire these? Costco. Any grocery store. Yeah, these days we've been eating from the garden. It's been a long time since we've talked about the garden, but. Thankfully, it's survived through the winter, and harvest is great. So, luckily, been able to eat some fresh produce because grocery shopping is difficult. What am I raging about? Usually, I'm raging with Thomas on the same things. <laughs> so, like, when Thomas is raging about something, at, like, at this level, at, like, 70%. I'm like at 120% ready to meet him. <laughs> so it'd be like, oh, this stuff. I'm like, that's the fucking worst thing that's ever fucking happened in our lives. 
And then he's I like, muted, but I was laughing. What we call a partnership. I think that's I think that's what friendships and partnerships are about. Raging together. Well, to take Jenny's definition of friendship and relationships, it's like not only is it raging together, but it's like outraging the other person that you're raging with because it's so validating and it's also very disarming. It's like, whoa, okay, like, yeah, I was mad, but I wasn't that mad. But I really appreciate the support. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's like, oh, you're angry. We're going to go run that person over with a car right now. And you're like, oh, right now. Okay, right now we're going. <laughs> I just, I just get real creative when Thomas gets angry. <laughs> Very colorful words. I, I love the thought that like you guys are raging and then your plants are like feeding off this energy and like thriving, you know? Your plants are also like, yes, let's go. <laughs> yes. Some um, premium carbon dioxide. <laughs> <laughs> So I guess I'm kind. I've been kind of upset about like work. So I'm like I'm a quote unquote essential worker because I'm a pharmacist, but I work at a call center, and like most of my work is just picking out phone calls, which can be done anywhere. But like my work just keeps finding reasons for me to like go into work. So. Like, I've been going to going into work, like, one to three times a week. And then also working from home the other parts of the week. So it's just been kind of, like, I don't know what the real intention is. Like, do you want me to be safe at home? Or do you want us to be at work? And why are we trying to split the difference here? But the good news surprisingly, is that I'm switching jobs next week. So, woo! <laughs> Yay! I will, I will be working with a robot in the warehouse. And um, I've decided to name the robot Freddy. So, <laughs> Freddy fills, like, like, thousands of prescriptions a day. And... I think the warehouse sends like eight to 10,000 prescriptions out in the mail every day. So it's, it's a good time. I don't have to talk to the public. Um, <laughs> the pu public is a hot mess and people don't want to like have friendly conversations when they call the pharmacy. They just want something and they want me to say what they want to hear. So Mm. I'm just ready to take a break from talking to demanding people. I'm always super impressed when I order my prescription via the Kaiser app because I get my prescription in like two days. It's so fast. Those robots, man. Freddie is doing work. Tell you about Freddie. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see a cartoon about this. Freddie and Jenny. <laughs> An unlikely friendship. Bonded over pills. Oh, that's a different story. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
another genre entirely. <laughs> <laughs> Dark real fast. <laughs> okay, so Jenny is the black market hookup, and <laughs> it starts becoming like Breaking Bad. <laughs> well, I'll share my rage and food situation then. Um, uh, so I live with Mickey, and our freezer has been crazy. Like literally. I play Tetris music in the background when Mickey's <laughs> rearranging our freezer. <laughs> well, like Mickey is so super good at organizing like the fr- the fridge, especially in the freezer, and it's just generally like he is amazing at organizing like and doing things and so whereas I'm of the like just throw it in camp and so it gets to a point where like none of us can see our food and Mickey's like okay I need to do something about this and before like pre-COVID this was never an issue because I didn't buy a lot of frozen food like we if we did cook it would be like fresh produce we hit up the grocery store like pretty often and then we just like you know uh, cook and then like we ate out a lot as well and once COVID hit it was like oh my gosh like now that I have to like really space out the grocery trip I bought a lot of frozen stuff or like started freezing a lot of things and now I just like don't have the energy to cook so I just keep buying frozen foods and like shoving them in there and I have been like living off of like frozen ramen um frozen dumplings wait uh, did you say frozen ramen yeah. Yeah. It's What's really frozen good. ramen? There's this brand. I, I, I'll have to look it up later, but it's really good. I get it at the Asian family market and it tastes really decent. Like, you know, it's, it's not like proper real ramen level, but it's pretty good for at home. And it's like the ramen noodles are like frozen. You just pop it in to like boiling water and then just pour it into the um, sauce like after that. And it's it's really good. Um, so that has been on the menu, and uh, a lot of like just random like I literally for dinner earlier just fried up some frozen um, Thai fish cakes. It was just like because it's frozen food, it's just like really random combos. Um, but it's all really good. Like I don't know why frozen food gets such a bad rep sometimes. Like it's somehow like less less healthy or like because it's fresh, you know. But I don't know. I feel like they're like if you know how to choose, some of them are pretty good. Um, definitely like the frozen dumplings. They're all like handmade. The ones I had today were um, pork and fennel, and I got those at a place in Lake City. Um, it's called Mount and Bao, and it feels like like proper China like northern style dumplings. So I'm pretty happy with them. That's been like my emotional support and like my lack of energy and my depression support throughout this whole time. And I feel like I spent the first half of like the lockdown quarantine just like really, really depressed and like really constantly like hyper vigilant and like thinking about how the virus is going to attack me and like attack my body. Like I would literally think about the image of the virus and then like it battling with the cells in my body um and then like it that took up like most of my brain space and then um now that I don't think about that like 90% of the time um I realized that I 
am angry about so many things. Like the, the internalized anger has now become externalized, constantly directed anger about like so many things in the world. And since I am a Hong Konger who's also an international student living in America right now, um, there's a lot to be angry about. So in lieu of saying something that might like literally get me arrested, I'm just gonna say that I don't know why people are so so invested in their interests that comes at the expense of other people's like literal lives. Like there's so many ways in which that is expressed right now, like through either like not wearing masks or just like wanting, I guess, like I, I know it comes from places like wanting sort of normalcy, I guess, you know? Um, so you're, you're still going out to restaurants and bars and like crowded places and like not practicing social distancing. Um, but like there's such a significant knock-on effect with this virus. Like we're all gonna like contract this and that blows my mind and I just get mad about that so much. And then this whole random ass thing about like, oh, you're like international students, like either you can contract coronavirus or, you know, we're gonna kick you back to your home countries. It's like, that is insane. There's so many things right now, especially given that it's a pandemic where this is literally life-threatening and to make somebody choose that is just like beyond me. And like, I'm also mad about too, like as an international student where so many people have been like, oh my God, like this is so bad, let's organize, let's advocate. And I'm like, where is that energy for like literally like every population targeted by ICE, like who's also targeted by ICE, right? Like they've been locking children in cages for like how long now? And like, why were you not mad about that? Like, why are you so caught up on this whole like legality thing, you know, where oh, they didn't come legally. Like, look, if you're fleeing for your fucking life, like, you're not going to be thinking about like, oh, am I doing this like the right paperwork way? And like, I don't know how many people have actually tried to do like immigration paperwork in this country. But my God, I can tell you it is so hard, like, so complicated. Like, I am literally getting a PhD. I have a partner who has a degree and like a well-paying job. And I also have like, access to legal support because of my partner and all of these resources combined we still messed up our application forms for a green card and still just like was super confused by the language like like this is from somebody who has the support like that is insane like imagine the people who have the language barriers you know like it's just mind-blowing to me and like people who are super willing to cling on to their nationalism at the expense of like exterminating people groups and like conducting genocide you know stuff like that it's like how is it that we can't even get over like how we can't even agree on the principle of like that human life is important you know people should not have to die so that you can live like I I don't know why we live in this kind of like scarcity mentality and like that we think that the world has to be this way you know it's like and and to argue anything otherwise you get labeled as like being utopian or like you're some sort of idealistic leftist and it's like you know that this country like literally throws away tons and tons and tons of food like every single day and yet you say we can't feed these other people you know it's just do the math yeah I think that's like the most core thing and like 
to talk about it through the framework of rage is like even for all the people that I yell at and all of the people that I'm like oh hate these people or like yes we should hate these people or whatever like even the usage of the course I think is like really misplaced because and I use it glibly and I have to own up to that but I it comes from a really deep place of love too like for me like if I didn't love or care or believe that people can be otherwise, like, would I even bother to be angry about it, you know? And so I've been thinking about all of that um, over the past few months. And as my therapist puts it, um, considering that COVID is the least of your concerns right now, that says a lot about your life. <laughs> I think anger as love is like a really, really good concept you know like I think a lot of people who are non-confrontational like see it as a failure like anger is a failure but I think there's definitely a way to express it because you love that other person on that note should we end with uh some things that we love what we're snacking on if we have any like snack recommendations for people yeah I would definitely recommend growing and loving a houseplant And, you know, there's something really crazy about linking a plant's desire to grow even when conditions are hard or bad. And people literally, like, some of these rare plants will buy just, like, a piece of the stem and, like, try to make it root and try to make it grow leaves. And a lot of these plants do it you know, in all of these like hardships that it goes through going through the mail and whatnot. And I think that I've seen a lot of beauty in watching these plants grow, survive, and trying to take care of them in a way that allows them to thrive. And I learned that it's growing season. So I'm not ready for the winter, but um, it's been really fun watching them grow and I would definitely recommend it. Aya, what are you snacking on? Let's see. Back turn three uh, on, July, <laughs> on July 5th. Oh, wait. Third? July 3rd. I'm all mixed up. July 3rd. Uh, Spec turn three. It was our golden birthday. 3 3. <laughs> and it's been a wild ride. Like Thomas, Thomas and I were talking about how it feels like it's been like years since last year. And I think everything ramped up after pack conference in LA and yeah just like reminiscing on how I got divorced last year it was official last June and that was like just over a year ago (laughs) but um just thinking about all the shit that I don't know SPAC has gone through as a group what we've gone through as like a friend group um, and I just feel really encouraged and thankful that we can be in this space together through COVID mm. and like all of the, all of the different movements that are happening. Uh, but yeah, like our signal chat group for SPAC has also been pretty cool and really feeling like people are, Yeah just sharing resources and speaking up about stuff that usually isn't really like talked about in Facebook groups. So it's like a nice change of pace, more inner, like personal interactions. 
that's what I'm snacking on. It gives me hope. Mm. I'm going to invite Pauline to share. I have been snacking on just like the idea of children's television. So I just watched all of Babysitter's Club, which I hugely enjoyed. Uh, Claudia Kishi is very small and very angry <laughs> and very artsy, and I love her so much. Um, but yeah, I just feel like Netflix did such a great job with the show. It took a show, it took books that were published, I don't even know when, but I mean, they were very popular when I was a child. Um, and just, I feel like I've seen this with like MTV and some Cartoon Network and like Nickelodeon shows where they just seem like really intent on making sure that like all kinds of children know that they're like loved and appreciated and how to create like healthy emotional lives. Um, so I say this as somebody who just also rewatched all of Avatar The Last Airbender. Uh, Steven Universe just finished and I've been watching that for a long time. Uh, She-Ra and the Princesses of Power just finished. Um, and I also really loved Never Have I Ever. And all of these shows I think would be classified as preteen, teen, like children's shows. Um, but all of them just had um, really amazing similarity with like representation of different cultures, representation of different identities, um, all with this emphasis of like, obviously they're like marketed for children, but I also feel like when I'm watching it, I am loving on like my inner child. I never feel like healthy, like a healthy emotional, I never felt like a healthy emotional inner life was modeled for me as a child. Um, and I wasn't really shown how to have healthy relationships and like healthy boundaries with other people. Um, so even though I literally just entered my 30s last month, um, I really appreciate these shows that, I mean, I do enjoy because they're like very colorful and like sparkly and like super fun. There's always a lot of like magical girl transformation like moments happening. Um, and I have been watching it like a couple episodes of Sailor Moon as well, which I watched as a child. But it's just like, it's really nice. I always feel like I hesitate a little bit before like, recommending these shows but you know I would just recommend them to anybody I think they're awesome and I think especially for people who are older who have kids I think they're a really great way to be able to connect with people in a younger generation too Thomas I would like to invite you to share I graciously accept your nomination thank you Pauline um one thing that has brought me a lot of joy has been the SPAC Mod Appreciation Day. Um, I had talked about how we had just turned three and it's just been um, a month of celebration. SPAC celebrated Pride together, celebrating birthdays together, and uh, I am not an official moderator, but I guess I'm like that token mod <laughs> friend. <laughs> but I really appreciate everyone who took the time to write letters and to donate to the SPAC Mod Fund and to officially declare, was it June or July 9th, I think it was, as SPAC Mod Appreciation Day. So that's a new thing. And I've just been like reading and rereading the chapbook chap book, uh, that Mickey put together for all the mods. So thank you, Mickey, and thank you, everyone who contributed. Uh, Mickey, Jenny, Shell, Katya, Melly, JP, Rose, Karen, Zafang, Angela, JC, Christina, and Kelly. Um, they all donated. They all, monies. yeah, they y'all donated money and your time and your words. And it's just such a, I don't know, I just, 
I scroll through and I look at all the photos and all the kind words and there is a strawberry theme throughout this entire chapbook. There's a strawberry on every page. So sweet. I love strawberries, obviously. For those of you that are new, you can listen to the <laughs> one. But um, yeah, just it, it's just been giving me a lot of a lot of love and um, reminding me who I am based on the way that y'all have experienced me, and that is something that I desperately need and have needed for 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 many years. So thank you all. Aww. one of these days uh, we're just gonna show up at your doorstep all dressed as strawberries to celebrate you for <laughs> the wonderful person that you are. Thanks. There, there was one. You deserve it, Thomas. <laughs> there was once back hangout where y'all were black v-neck t-shirts and jeans <laughs> and we, walked in and we rolled up the cuffs of the jeans yeah and i walked in pretending not to notice but i was like uh, very sweet of y'all no but you need to know that like pauline and i and sometimes mickey and i can't like talk about like how we need to like protect you because you're just so pure and like, we admire you <laughs> And like, I literally yeah. said, we just like, I literally said, Thomas is, in the world. Thomas is a better version of every Korean guy that I was in youth group with. And for that reason, I feel that he must be protected. Yeah, Mickey likes to remind me that I At recently learned what anal sex was. I think that was, I think that was last year from, from SPAC. <laughs> it was a long time ago. You've come, a, you've come a long way in your gay sex, like learning about gay sex journey. I am snacking on Sailor Moon. Sailor Moon. Yes. Um, I've just been watching a lot of Sailor Moon and it is fantastic. Uh, there's so many things from my childhood that I still remember because I was like a huge Sailor Moon fan when I was a kid. And then now watching it back again, I'm like, oh yeah. And then there were so many things that I was like clearly missed as a child. So I'm at the end of season one where like the animators clearly are having just like a lot of fun with like the inside jokes and like cross references and like the the plot so yeah it's it's been really great reliving my childhood that way i also read something online and i don't know how true this is i'm still thinking about it but like saying that people who like really struggle with anxiety like to rewatch like old shows a lot because it like gives them something that they're already familiar with and predictable so it doesn't like trigger them as much and i was like oh my gosh this explains why I'm like constantly rewatching like Buffy, <laughs> constantly rewatching like old TV shows. Yeah, I just live in nostalgia a lot. That's actually really fascinating. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. This podcast is generously hosted by Diverging Mag, and our audio editor is Thomas Yang. Music is by Chucky Kim, and the podcast artwork is created by Kelly Camarita Martel. For more premium snack content, you can follow us on Instagram at SPAC underscore snack. Feel free to slide into our DMs with snack recommendations, feedback, and stories of your own. We love hearing from you. Until next time, stay hungry, stay thirsty, and continue to support your local POC restaurants. <laughs> well, I'm, gonna I'm just going to say scissoring multiple times. Because... <laughs>